Welcome, everybody, to Sharpshooters Shooting from the Lip. I'm your host, John Serio, along with my co-host, Rob Schiff. Rob, how's it going in New York? Doing well up here, man. Doing well. Ready to get started. Well, we certainly have a lot to talk about this week. Huge week that we had in WWE, and really, I don't know if it lived up to the hype. Talking about Raw 25. Rob, you're a New York City guy. What did you think about what happened in your your native city? It, I mean, there's no other way to say that it was a complete letdown in every single way. I mean, <clears throat> from the talent that wasn't there, you know, to the storylines that didn't go anywhere. And, you know, on top of that, on top of it all, the hype that was put into the show, I mean, it it failed on every level. And then to make matters worse, didn't really you know, give us anything fresh for the Rumble. I mean, <clears throat> on top of the fact that it was a go-home show for the second biggest event, arguably the second biggest event of the year, um, it didn't leave us with anything to look forward to for Sunday, and it really didn't leave us with anything memorable that we can take and say, you know what, that was that was cool, what they did, except for maybe the Austin segment, but I mean, even that felt kind of flat, and I think the only reason we're saying that it was the best part of the show is that everything else after that just failed. I think you're 100% right on that. Um, big time letdown. They've been hyping this thing for weeks. I was really pumped about it personally. I couldn't wait. I uh, was pretty much counting down the hours to it because they made such a big deal about it. And they listed ahead of time all these former legends and female uh, superstars that were coming back. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. You got guys like Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels. I mean, we've seen Triple H a bunch, but also the return of The Undertaker, the first time we've seen him since Roman Reigns gave him his second L at WrestleMania. So we didn't know officially what's going on with this guy. Is he retired? Is he coming back? And we were waiting for Monday Night Raw to be the reveal of that, and I think it was a giant down. So what do you say we we start with The Undertaker? Let's do it. Yeah, so basically... I'm sure you all know the history, the legend of The Undertaker and the undefeated streak at WrestleMania, such a huge part of WWE for the past two decades plus, 25 years really pretty much, and 21-0, goes into WrestleMania 30 and drops to Brock Lesnar. Big shocker, I happened to be in the arena, in in the Superdome, I was pretty shocked. The whole place you could not hear, you could hear a pin drop, it was dead silence literally for about 20 seconds when we heard the bell ring. There was no announcer to say anything. People were stunned in silence. We didn't know what to expect. And then the first thing we see is we see the big graphic, 21-1. and That's when we knew Undertaker's streak was over, and we couldn't believe it. People actually left the Superdome after that match. They (laughs) They missed the women's match that came after it. I forget exactly who was fighting that night. It was not really that great of a match. It was, at that time, the women, women's revolution wasn't really kicking into gear. And uh, that was kind of when they used the women as a filler match, a buffer in between main events. And people were leaving yep. during that women's match, and they missed the main event with Triple H, <laughs> or not, Randy Orton, Batista, and uh, Daniel Bryan, yeah. which, of course, led to Daniel Bryan's big win. But that was a shocker. So you have... Undertaker's first loss there. He comes back the next few manias, defeats Bray Wyatt, defeats Shane McMahon and Hell in a Cell at 32, which is one of the highlights of that 
pretty lackluster mania that I happen to be a part of too. Um, so then you get WrestleMania 33, Undertaker, Roman Reigns. We kind of saw it coming. I think you did too, right, Rob? Uh, yep. You saw Reigns going over on that one. And, sure. of course, he, he gives Undertaker his second loss at Mania. So now Undertaker is 23-2. and two, And he lays his gear in the ring. Great moment. Great uh, closing to the show. And the fact that they bring in Jim Ross to commentate that match, I mean, it kind of gives you the signal, hey, this is pretty much it for the Undertaker. Right. He, he's done. It was a good send-off. But we hadn't heard anything from The Undertaker since. We didn't hear any acknowledgement from WWE. There was no no kind of ceremony on Raw to, to honor him like he deserves. Right. So we're kind of in limbo here. And this is the, the big hype is what I'm trying to get to is Raw 25. This is the first appearance of The Undertaker after all of this. We want to know, is this guy still going to wrestle? Is he officially sure. done? Sure. So, so much hype going into this. And then within the first hour of a three-hour show, they bring in The Undertaker, which was a big surprise to me. I didn't think they were going to go with him that early. I thought they'd hold on to that till at least the second hour or into right. the third, you know? And you got it. And, and it was cool that they at least had him at the Manhattan Center. But we'll get into that later of the whole two-venue thing. But at least they had him there, which... Yeah, you know. definitely very cool to see him in the same arena where he debuted on Raw. And it was pretty surreal to see him. Right. Walk down that little aisle with the with the raw Monday Night Raw banners and Ico Pro banners and the the big neon W in the hallway. It was pretty cool. They did an awesome job right. with the production. Let's just give them credit there. You had uh, even Jerry the King Lawler's wearing his his old jacket with the the red velvet crown. Um, you had the blue steps and yep. ring posts, the red, white, and blue ropes, which I'm always always been a big fan of. So it was pretty cool to see that that whole layout. It looked great. Right. And The Undertaker, it was just cool to see him come down. It was great. Sure. And then when he gets in the ring and he starts talking, it's good old Undertaker. But after less than five minutes, the segment's over. And what do we, what do we have? We have nothing from that segment. Did you get anything out of what he said? That's the problem. I mean, the fact that he came out and <clears throat> it, like, you, like you alluded to before, this was the first time he's, you know, come out since losing to to Reigns and, you know, you know, Ric Flair after he lost to Shawn Michaels got a whole segment and even and then yeah. the Undertaker ironically came out for that and was kind of like the, uh, you know, the main part of that send off, mm-hmm. and you know we didn't find out anything. All he said was pretty much the most confusing, <laughs> basic statement that you know all his opponents can rest in peace, but where did it, where does it go? I mean, is he retired? Does it, it didn't, it didn't really give us any hope for a, a future match. If that's what anybody wants. I yeah. Mean, we, we know nothing, Rob. We know nothing like, about what the future of the undertaker is and that, you know, if they were to retire the undertaker, if he was done, what better night than the 25th anniversary of raw, you have all those people, all those past legends in exactly. the house, you bring them out, in the Manhattan Center for The Undertaker to send him off. You have Shawn Michaels there. You have Triple H there. Yep. You can bring back some of his other rivals, like Mick Foley. I don't know why he wasn't in attendance. Stone Cold could have made a, a stop at the Manhattan Center. I mean, God knows they paid enough money for those tickets at the Manhattan Center. And uh, we'll get into all that later. But, man, it was a big letdown 
big. I think the down. fact that they didn't, the fact they didn't, you know, do that maybe hints at the fact that he does have one more or two more matches left in him. But if you if you know that, then allude to that. Right. He, he's obviously not retired. He 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 made an appearance. He didn't hint at that. You know, hint at the fact that he's done. Or maybe he he tried to and and misspoke because the quote even sounded like he wasn't really sure of what he was talking about. Like he was told to say something and failed miserably because that quote was probably, it was probably the biggest, you know, the, the worst promo he's had in the WWE in years. And I'm not saying it's his fault because maybe that's what they told him to say, but it just wasn't convincing. It didn't leave us with anything, you know, I think that's a, yeah. just a big night. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I mean, for the guy to say it's time for, all my victims to finally rest in peace. What what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Even Jim Ross <laughs> said on the commentary after it, was that a warning? Like he he didn't know what it meant. He was trying to sell it as though it meant right. something, but it really didn't mean anything. Or no, or that's a good point too. Or maybe you know maybe Jim Ross was told the Undertaker was supposed to say something else, and it's actually Taker's fault for screwing that up. Because you're right. I mean that statement means. Nothing really. Like, yeah. What is that? I mean, it's I don't as even vanilla know. as it gets. There's, there's <laughs> yeah. no, there's no, nothing to it. Yeah. The the dark side had its most vanilla moment, and it's <laughs> it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So uh, maybe I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for now and say maybe they wanted a surprise at the Rumble. Maybe he's yeah. going to show up. He, I mean, he he was in the Rumble last year. It's just one year removed. Sure. I mean, it can't be that much worse for wear in one calendar year. So maybe, maybe the hope is get the Undertaker in the Rumble and maybe have some kind of uh, confrontation with Cena or somebody else or who knows, maybe somebody like a Sting could show up. You know, that sure, it's possible. I and saw that's, good, that's a good point. Twitter too. actually tweeted something out with just a picture of him, like his face, recently, right. and that got a lot of commotion on, uh, on social that media. So maybe. Maybe that's like a like a warning or a Easter egg of some sort. Maybe he'll show up in the Rumble, or maybe not. You know, no, I guess we just have good, to wait till Sunday to see that. That's a good point too, because maybe you know the fact that he even said that vanilla statement. Maybe they can capitalize on it and and realize how dumb it was, and you know have someone that he hasn't beaten at WrestleMania come out and challenge him. Like, uh, you know, just say hypothetically they pick a Sting or Cena, and Cena's the one that says. You know, back in, at the 25th anniversary of Raw, you said that all your past op- opponents can rest in peace, but there's one guy you haven't beat. You know, something to that extent where they can kind of play with it. I so could see that, yeah. Either cover it up or, or, you know, maybe it was intentional. Maybe that's what they were intending to do. You know, have Taker come out, address the Manhattan Center fans, and say something so vanilla, but at the same time, he did say that all his you know, past victims can rest in peace, but there are certain wrestlers he hasn't beaten. And I, I mean, that's the only thing I can see coming out of this that can make it any sort of a success. Somebody he hasn't beaten yet comes out and challenges him or vice versa. I just wish we could give WWE that much credit and the writers that much credit. <laughs> but I, I'm just I doubt a it. little skeptical to give them that. I mean, I'm not trying to knock the guys at all, but we're trying to shoot it to you straight here with the sharpshooters. They've let us down in the past, and I'm I'm a little concerned here for the Undertaker's sake and what they're doing with this legendary career. But let's wait and see for this for uh, the Rumble and see if they can 
pull a rabbit out of their hat. That's Back it. at 30, they had a disappointing rumble, and it turned into a great WrestleMania 30 with the Daniel Bryan yes movement and everything. Right. Um, so, I mean, they can they can turn their turn uh, paths differently, turn things around, and make something out of nothing. So let's see what they can do. Sure. But in terms of other talent that was at the uh, the Raw 25, of course we had the the hyped reunion of Degeneration X, Shawn Michaels, Triple H. You have the New Age Outlaws, X Pac, even Razor Ramon, Scott Hall gets in on the action. What was your what was your take on that reunion that we haven't seen for the first time? I mean, we've seen that in recent years. It's not like a something that hasn't happened in 20 years, you know? Right. So yeah. what was your take on what you saw there with DX? It was, I think it was just poorly written. Cool to see, you know, all the guys back in, you know, you know, sporting the DX gear and, but it just felt, everything felt flat to me, all the segments, including that one. And to put it on in the third, you know, 10 minutes before the show's coming to an end, it just kind of felt flat. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of the direction that Valor Club is going in because I don't really like Luke Gallows and I don't, uh, you know, that team, I don't feel like they complement Balor that much. It feels like they're just wasting time with him until they decide to put him in a main event spot or, you know, that whole thing feels flat because I love Finn Balor as a performer. I just feel like he's kind of lost. And for them to come out and, you know, do the whole too sweet thing. I guess it's, I guess it was okay, but it, like I said, it just felt flat, especially in a, in a crowd that was getting hostile. They weren't having a great night. You know, they paid a, a crap load of money and they only got a couple matches. And even what triple H said was kind of a, I mean, what, when hasn't he said that even when, you know, when he comes out as the NXT guy or, yeah, you know, it was just, not, everything just felt flat. The writing was just stale. You know, uh, Shawn Michaels looked uncomfortable, really. Mm -hmm. You know, because I think the main problem is is that a lot of these guys, whether it be Stone Cold, DX, they all made their name in a different era. And it was an era where you were kind of allowed to be a character. And it's hard to script these guys, especially when it has to be so, you know, uh, buttoned up and PG. It's hard to make these guys relatable because they – you know, they they changed the way we viewed wrestling for a few years. It was more in your face, you know, kind of PG-13 for the first time, and we hadn't seen anything like that. So it just, everything felt kind of flat. It just it just felt flat for me. It's a really good point you just brought up because, like, even in part of Triple H's dialogue, he had to shout, first of all, because he had to be louder than the crowd. Now, that mm -hmm. venue is unique because the fans are so close to the ring. So the, sure. the audience noise is that much louder and that much clearer. So you don't have a, you don't have 20,000 voices screaming. So jumbling up what's being said, you have right. just about a few hundred maybe in attendance that are in unison. And you can definitely hear the displeasure that triple H had to really go on top of his game and no pun intended with the game thing, but he had to be on his game and shout over the the booze and the the bad chance and try to win that hostile crowd over, which I have to commend Triple H for doing that. At least he took charge in that ring and he knew what he had to do. And he by the end of the segment, he got at least some positive feedback. But right. to your point, with them being uncomfortable, 
Like, they tried to play it off in a joking fashion where I think Shawn Michaels was talking about some of the old times and Triple H would have to cut in and say, oh, whoa, 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 you, you can't talk about that now. Or Like, they tried right. to, they did that a few times. And sure, I get they were going with the comical routine there, but it almost kind of played against them in a way, I think. Because yeah. it made the fans like, come on, we don't, you know, they got annoyed. And it was kind of building that animosity even more, I think. Well, it was almost like Triple H was alluding to, well, I mean, he was alluding to the fact that it is in the same era and it's, we're right. not in the Attitude Era anymore. But, but the that's, fact that fact what the fans is about. part of what drew even more of animosity from the crowd, I felt. Yeah, it's, it's almost like he's trying to, you know, make a humorous situation out of this not being the Attitude Era, but that's what fans want. Fans want, like, that was one yep. of the best eras of wrestling. Absolutely. And you're just reminding us that we don't have that anymore while being in, you know, having the 25th anniversary of a show that we fell in love with when it was kind of, you know, you know, seeing things that might not, you know, be for every, you know, every viewer. It, it We missed those things. And it was just a reminder of what we're missing out on. And it just, it just felt flat. Yeah. I think uh, that was an example of poor writing. I think yeah. that really played against them. It was almost like, a right to censor in modern day. Remember, right yeah. to censor, how everybody hated those guys. Right. But now we're in that right to censor era. And now exactly. we can't have what we want, or at least what we think we want. And um, we're revolting. And he brought, they brought that in where they didn't have to. They could have, they could have hinted to that without trying to derail something they pretended they wanted to talk about. Right. You know, I think it, they could have done it better. Um, and just the fact that they were, I mean, I know DX, they got to fool around like they're teenagers. I get that. But it just looks worse and worse each time we see them. Yep. Now that they're getting in their whatever, 50s, 60s, it just looks really bad. Yep. And to speak, speaking of bad, when they introduced Scott Hall to come out, not nothing against the man in his entrance, but he's coming down to the ring, and within five to ten seconds, they cut to a commercial break. That was a mess. With no no announcer to say, oh, we'll be right back. <laughs> Scott Hall, Razor, coming down as Razor Ramon for the first time in I don't know how long on Monday Night Raw. Yep. And now all of a sudden you cut to commercial break when that happens. Like, like That's like the worst timing. And maybe they thought, oh, we don't know if this guy is on his game. Maybe because he's had issues in the past yeah. with sobriety. I, I mean, I'm not saying he's having that issue now. I don't know what, where he's where he's at right now, but Maybe they just wanted to hedge their bets and cut to commercial break to see how he's doing before they actually put him on live TV. Maybe that's what they were doing, but that just looked so bad. If they need, if they needed to go to commercial, like they did it during his entrance, I guess to because they knew he was going to take a while to get to the ring. But it just was so sudden. Like at least give the guy a chance to get to the ring and then cut if you want, or he's walking around the ring high fiving people. But don't cut bad. it like five or ten seconds into the intro. Yeah, terrible. It, just, it looked bad. So in terms of the dual, dual arenas, two venues, in principle, it sounds like a cool idea, taking over New York City, you know. And um, I kind of give them props for trying it, but from the get go, we saw there was going to be some issues with it. There were technical issues. Right. Thing I kept thinking something was wrong with my TV, but. I looked into it online, and I wasn't the only one noticing it. Things were out of sync. Um, yep. It just – it was choppy. 
um, there was a part where Jr. was talking and you couldn't really hear him. The audio wasn't turned up all the way or something wasn't potted up or there was some kind of issue with the transmission and you missed like sure. the first five or 10 seconds of what he was saying coming back from a commercial break. It just right. wasn't that same production quality that you're used to seeing with WWE. Right. I mean, call me pessimistic, but I kind of going to happen. I mean, you have hundreds of superstars that you try, you have to get, you know, shown and recognized and thrown into some sort of storyline. And you got two venues to do that. And the Manhattan Center is pretty small. I mean, there's what, like 200 people there, it felt like. Yeah, something like that. You have a show with 200 people and you have a show with almost 20, almost 20,000. Yeah, 20,000 people. I knew more of the show was going to was going to happen at the Barclays Center. Mm-hmm. You know, so just knowing going into it that it's only a three hour show, you've advertised hundreds of wrestlers and most of the show was going to happen at the Barclays Center. You should have just had it at the Barclays Center and then, you know, maybe had a few fans at the Manhattan Center or I don't know how they could have made it better. You know, I guess you have to just decide on one venue. I would have much rather seen it at the Manhattan Center, the whole show. Yeah, but that's Vince, what I was thinking. Like, Vince is not going to miss out on, on 20,000 tickets. I understand. Um, yeah, I understand it's the 25th anniversary and you, you've built up from where you were, the humble beginnings, and now you're in these big stadiums, basketball and football arenas, and you want to showcase that, especially on your 25th anniversary. But why not if you want to go for that old-time feel? I mean, I get the, the dual arenas, but would it be so bad to have the whole show at the Manhattan Center? Sure, you'd only have a couple hundred people in attendance, but that would just make it that much more special. And you already were charging a boatload for those tickets. Give those fans something that they can go home feeling good about. Have the old old and the new meet in the Manhattan Center. That would make production so much easier for them instead of having to go back and forth. And then maybe they were thinking it would be hard for their broadcasting because they don't want to leave Michael Cole and Corey Graves and Saxton out in, in lieu of that and have JR and Jerry the King Lawler take over. But you could have had two tables like sure. you do for pay-per-views right. at the Manhattan Center. You could have two tables by the ring or maybe one by the ring and one by the entrance. Even though it's a small venue, you might not be able to pull that off logistically, but you could have fit two tables in there and done it that way. Absolutely. You I know, just think... One night. It's the, one... I think the, the... Not to say... I don't want to say greed because it, it is a corporation that's about making money, but in, in essence, that... Uh, that desire to make more money really hurt them on this show. And I think they would have been so much better off just going with that nostalgic old feel, in my opinion. Or if you want, just go with the Barclays Center and just forget the old feel. But for a 25th anniversary, I think you got to go with go with the old nostalgic thing and make it special, make it memorable. Absolutely. And I, and I think, <clears throat> you know, I, I understand the whole WrestleMania going to stadiums and you know, even pushing Royal Rumble in stadiums a couple of years ago with the, with the Alamo Dome. But it's one night, you know. It's it's one night of the entire year. I think they could have sacrificed having it at the Manhattan Center just one night. You know, most of the, the of the of the fans obviously are at home anyway. Yeah. So this is more this should have been more about the fans at home. Yeah, it's one night in what five years, really? Yeah, like you don't do anniversary shows except for the big, big ones twenty, twenty five, thirty, maybe. Exactly. I think. So they could, I they think once have... every five years you can afford to lose uh, 
however much money you get at the Barclays Center and just cut your losses and just Absolutely. have a special show for your fans and make Absolutely. it memorable, you know? I mean, even the show that they did a few years ago, I mean, I know it was a while back, but they had that ECW, was it One Night Stand? Yeah. yeah. Where they did it at the Hammerstein Ballroom. You know, they didn't, you know, they didn't have it at two different venues. They they, right. they did it at one place, and it's this is Raw 25. It mm-hmm. should have been at the Manhattan Center. That was a, that was a good choice on their part, but it should have just been there. Yeah, you know, it would have been a lot easier for the wrestlers to obviously all be there. You know, the segments could have been a little smoother. We mm-hmm. would have remembered the show being at the the Manhattan Center, and that's it. So maybe even if it was written the same way, it would have just come off better. I mean, I don't know, but and the whole idea of them wanting the old meeting with the new, like with the DX and the Balor Club thing. You could have had that going all night with your sure. old and new guys not having to be split between two different venues. Absolutely. It just would have been so much better. Right. Um, but the, one of the consequences of having the two, two arenas is, of course, they had to split the talent. And from what I saw on social media, you know, you and I were talking about considering going there and looking up tickets, and we saw how high the prices were. It was kind of crazy. But just imagine right. how, how it felt for these guys at the Manhattan Center paying that boatload of money. And basically 85% of the show happened at the Barclays Center. And only about 15%, from my estimations, there's no, uh, that's not mathematically accurate, but I think it's pretty much a good ballpark guess. Pretty much about 85, 90% of the show is at Barclays. And what the fans at the Manhattan Center got were two matches. One of them was a squash match with the club pretty much beating the revival in like five minutes or less. With Gallo and, and Anderson, no less. Right. And the other match wasn't that great either. It Matt was, Hardy, it was... Woken <laughs> Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt. Now, Right, a character who we've been, who they've been trying yeah, to build a, yeah, up. That's a problem and... in and of itself. I'll... Yeah, that even, they couldn't even make yeah. that work. I, to, to be fair, I don't even know why that match was there. It shouldn't have been at the Manhattan. That's not a match they should have I would have there. expected to see that at the Royal Rumble, but... I gave them a pass because it was Raw 25. I thought, all right, they wanted to make it a little extra special and maybe they'll just keep it going through the Rumble and whatnot. But the right. fact that they've kind of botched this whole Woken Matt Hardy, Broken Matt Hardy, whatever you want to call him, and now to have him lose to Bray Wyatt, just what is what is going on with that booking? I don't get it. Right. It was, it was bad. And there was some kind of uh, some kind of talk on social media about Jim Ross laying out for the call or something when Bray Wyatt came down to the ring. I don't know what that was all about, but like I, I remember hearing Jerry Lawler saying definitely uh, something to JR, like, hey, uh, you don't want to talk during this entrance or something during the show. Like it was some kind of weird, it was just all weird. Yeah, that was good. I didn't get that either when, when Bray Wyatt was coming out and Jerry Lawler kept telling JR to not yeah. talk while the lights Yeah, went. I don't know what that was about. Um, I yeah, will okay. say this it was pretty cool seeing Woken Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt fighting in the Manhattan Center. It looked really cool with the the old style ropes and ring and surroundings. It looked it looked neat. I just wasn't happy with the end product. Sure. So that was a miss. And then on the other side, from my recollection, I only saw two matches in the Barclays Center really. You had the Intercontinental title match and you had the first match to kick it off off the show was the Eight women eight tag, women's... which was underwhelming to say the least. Sure. So it looked like they just mishmash things, try to force things together just to get as much people together as possible 
in this in the least amount of time to get the show plugging along yeah the, i mean the biggest frustration was i mean besides the writing was having those moments where they just came out and just waved i mean that was oh that, that was really slapping that the was horrible <laughs> to have all these former legends just come out and all they do is get in i mean what is this you have trish stratus <laughs> and tori wilson and all these great former women wrestlers, Jacqueline, just waving to the crowd, and Michelle McCool. First time we they couldn't figure just... out a way to to write them in, you know, just from that. Even have them be like lumber lumberjacks or lumberjills, whatever you want to call them, for the eight woman tag. Even something like that would have been fun to see. Right. But no, they have to wave from the the top of the ramp. And the same thing with the old general managers. You couldn't even get Mick Foley to come back for that. He was a general manager. He's a raw legend. Yep. And speaking of conspicuous by their absence, we talked about Edge and we talked about Diesel. And we knew on social media they weren't going to be there. Diesel made some kind of complaint about how uh, flying was hard for him now with like his knee and hip replacements or something. <laughs> yeah. I think he was just hinting at WWE to give him a first-class ticket or something. That, but yeah, I guess they didn't want to pull the trigger on that. Yep. But – Conspicuous by his absence is The Rock. Like, how do you not have The Rock at the Raw Twenty Five? You know, I get some. He's a busy you know, guy. Of, yeah, but... yeah. Some of them were busy, and you know, like, Bret Hart wasn't there, and exactly. You know, the list list goes on and on. Hogan. I mean, there are a lot of guys that just weren't there that you want to see, especially for a show that was that was built to be this monumental achievement. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said in the beginning. They shouldn't have announced who was going to be there because then yep. at least you get some surprises. I think that yeah. was their biggest mistake. If they yep. if they had no list of who was going to be there, and you just hear mm-hmm. the gong all of a sudden in the Manhattan Center, and the Undertaker right. shows up. If you see Vince McMahon talking with Shane and Stephanie to open the show, and all of a sudden you hear the glass shatter. I mean, if that wasn't expected, if you didn't have on your little list online who was going to show up, It'd be so much better. I found myself during the show looking through that list and being like going through a checklist. Okay, we saw Stone Cold. Okay, we saw the <laughs> exactly. Undertaker. Who's left? Okay, we didn't right. see Eric Bischoff yet. He's going to be in this next segment. And sure enough, you know, like it, right. it was just ridiculous. Even the Dudley boys. I mean, you don't need to announce these people. Right. Just say, you could say dozens of legends are coming back and not sure. say who. Exactly. I think there's more with less. Less is more, you know? Absolutely. But be it as it as it may, they wanted to get as many viewers as they could by announcing the big names. I get that, but I think it, in the end, it hurt them. Sure. So, ultimately, I think I think we discussed this the Royal Rumble, the hype for that. I think that took a big hit. This is the go home show on Monday Night Raw, and you get a segment at the very end of the show. It felt extremely rushed. I think it was close to 11 o'clock, if not 11 o'clock already, when they went into the segment. Yeah. Braun and Brock and Kane. And how many times do we see these these segments? I get so tired of them at the end of a show, <laughs> like a contract signing, where they're staring each other down, and then they just attack each other. And then one guy's left standing at the end that you know is not going to win on Sunday, so they got to make him look strong at the end of the show. Right. They couldn't even – like, this would have been a bad ending on a regular run. Yeah. Yeah. On top of the fact that this is the you know the twenty fifth anniversary, they couldn't even allude to something that was that would make us you know excited for what's probably going to be a lackluster main event. I mean, we've talked about it before. You know, we were both at SummerSlam, and that Fatal Four Way was pro- was one of the best matches of the year. 
you know, this is going to be mm-hmm. nowhere, nowhere near that. Nope. Um, and they're hyping have... it up like it's like an even bigger challenge. Like just yeah, a few which... months ago, you fought Roman Reigns, Samoa <laughs> Joe, and Braun Strowman. So you mean to tell me Kane's a bigger threat than Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe combined? Exactly. It's just it's poor writing. The fact that Kane's even in this match, and and look, I have no, I don't I think Kane has been an incredible, you know, entertainer and performer, and absolutely, you know, he's been there almost you know, a little over twenty years now, and he's been incredible. But he's just he doesn't have it anymore in terms of marketability and believability when it comes to you know being a a, a threat to Brock Lesnar now. It just he he feels exactly like we've said. He's just the guy that needs to get pinned in this match. Yep. So it's exactly what it is. I mean, this isn't the big red machine that uh, threw out 11 guys in the 2001 Royal Rumble. This is not the same guy. Right. I mean, just in his last stint, he was getting beat by everybody. Exactly. And now all of a sudden he comes back and he's tearing through guys like Finn Balor. Like, why are you feeding (laughs) Finn Balor to Kane? Yep. The first ever universal champion. And all of a sudden he's getting beat by Kane in like five minutes. And we know that he's the guy that's going to take the fall on, on Sunday. You don't exactly. want to slow Braun's uh, momentum. It already hurt him enough to lose the Brock Baron Square in their, their first meeting. So you need somebody to protect Braun, but still be able to hold the title on Brock. So Brock's got to pin somebody. I'm guessing it's going to be Kane. But, right. I mean, prove me wrong, WWE, but I, I'm putting my all in on Kane to be, get pinned on yep. Sunday. I'm putting... All my chips on that. That's uh. You want to talk about the uh, the other title match we got at the Rumble? Absolutely. I mean, we've got. It was. I will say this. It was cool to see AJ Styles backstage with Mean Gene Okerlund. That was cool. With Mean Gene interviewing the WWE Champion, and even AJ starting off with with well, uh, well, you know something, brother. <laughs> yeah. That was that was fun. That was cool. Um, Mean Gene certainly uh, didn't do a whole lot more than that first introduction in question but i mean the guys up there it's just cool to see absolutely but yeah speaking of aj styles smackdown live you've got this handicap match wwe champion two-time wwe champion aj styles going up against kevin owens and Sami Zayn. one of my big problems with this from the get-go i mean not i'm not going to say that this is a bad thing per se but for the build that really annoyed me is I believe it was the last week of December, the last SmackDown in December, and they were saying how uh, I believe AJ Styles was going to fight Kevin Owens one more time because that was one of their biggest rival rivalries of 2017, and they wanted to have one last one last go at it in 2017 to close out the rivalry. And they were they were saying probably for the last time ever you're going to see AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens, and I just knew that wasn't going to be the case. And lo and behold, less than a month later. The main event is AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn for the for the WWE title. Yeah. Um, I mean, what do you think about the whole way they're going about it with the with the controversy with Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon? I, I just I I don't like that feud. I don't like them being so involved in a show that they said that they weren't going to be involved in that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little it overbooked. This, a little overbooked. It is. It's overbooked. And when it comes to this match, like I'm a huge AJ Styles fan. I love I love watching him perform. I'm not a big fan of triple threats, and I would much rather this be a triple threat match mm-hmm. than having co-champions. I mean, I, it, 
I don't even know how that's going to work if Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn win. Now, with that, I might I might kind of argue with that. But I want to hear what so, you have to say about it. I, just, I, I don't get – for one, I don't get it. I don't get how we're going to have two guys holding one belt. Mm-hmm. It almost it almost smells like they're – like a rivalry between them is coming again, which I, I'm just I'm, I'm tired to be honest. Right. I don't want to see another Kevin Owens Sami Zayn rivalry. Um, I I I per- personally would rather see a triple threat match. So you know, it it almost forces that little bond that they have to be broken at least for this match. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I don't see how it's gonna work. And maybe you're maybe you have a an idea, but see, I don't see how co-champions can work. I'm going to give, um, I'm going to give the writers a little bit of credit on this one because okay. just for the fact that we don't know how it's going to work and we, it's a mystery and that makes a little <laughs> bit of intrigue. So let's say, I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have a pretty darn good shot aside from the logical reasoning of it's two against one. I think the whole idea of having co-champions, it's never been done and they've been making a pretty big deal about it. And to make this big of a deal about it and then not pull the trigger on it, I think uh, would be a mistake. Um, I think you're going to – I mean, sure, people are saying they want to see – and we'll get into Rumble winners and who we think's going to win. But they've been, they've been saying they want to see AJ Styles versus this person or that person. And that can't really happen on the WWE title picture plane unless he retains, of course. Right. I don't see them – Dropping, I don't see him dropping the belt to uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, Cammy as they're calling him now, or at least how Styles is calling him, and then have him win it back at the February pay per view. I don't, I don't see that happening. I think that would take a lot of uh, the luster off the reign. I think you want to have a strong champion going into Mania. At least that's what I would do if right. I was writing. I'm no, I'm no expert writer. I'm not trying to say I am, but just I've been watching watching WWE for over 30 years, and from what I take on it. I would like to see either Styles hold it all the way to Mania or have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn get it and look unbeatable as a pairing. So what are they What are they going to do? Is it a free bird rule where one guy defends it one night or can they tag each other in and out? Like New Day has been doing the free bird rule with three that's guys. That's true. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. And they've been making that work and switching it up and it actually adds a little bit of variety to the show. Right. And maybe – they want to do that. Maybe Sami Zayn wants to defend it in February and Kevin Owens at Mania, or maybe one guy will be in the corner at all times since they're technically the champion. So it's interesting. I think it's kind of interesting to see what they're going to do. It's never been done before. So in that, in that regard, I'll give them some credit there, and I'm sort of okay with that. What I expect to see happen, or what I'm kind of hoping to see, I'll say it like that. I'm hoping to see Daniel Bryan get involved in some capacity to make Styles lose his belt. What I'm hoping to see is Daniel Bryan cost Styles the match in some way, whether it be intentional or not, and somehow this setting up a feud, as we all have been hearing all over the internet, they want to see Daniel Bryan come back, and we know so many doctors have told him he's cleared and WWE won't clear him, and now there's this whole deal with his contract coming up in a few months or whenever it might be, and he's saying he's going to leave WWE. He turned down an offer to stay and be in that GM role, even at a top star uh, salary. He's turning down big money to be able to wrestle again, maybe somewhere else. So maybe they're going to buckle under the pressure 
maybe they're going to let him wrestle again against AJ Styles. And nope. maybe that could be the big – because keep in mind, it's going to be in uh, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in New Orleans, the same place where Daniel Bryan won that triple threat sure. at WrestleMania 30. Same building. How cool would that be to see his comeback be in that place? Right. Against AJ Styles. And who wouldn't want to see Daniel Bryan AJ Styles go at it? That would be a phenomenal match. That would be huge. If that's where they're going, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be mad at that. I, I just feel like, you know. That, that doesn't even have to be for the title. That It'd be better not for the title. You know, Absolutely. that's just a grudge match. And then you have that title match freed up for another guy, top guy to fill the spot. Sure. So in terms of other title matches, you have. Bobby Roode that just won the U.S. title over Jinder Mahal in that tournament, which was scheduled to be defend or the title was supposed to be decided at Royal Rumble, and they decided to push it back a week, and then it was two weeks, just yep. out out of the blue. But now Bobby Roode is your U.S. champion. I thought it should have gone to Jinder Mahal personally. I mean, think of like Iron Sheik back in the day, Sergeant Slaughter, these anti-American guys holding the, the top belt, but no, this is the U.S. belt. You saw it did did wonders for Rusev back when he had it. Right. He had that long undefeated streak, and he was the U.S. champion and took John Cena. I mean, guys like Sheamus, Mark Henry, they've put the big show against him, and no one could beat Rusev, and it took John Cena at the grandest stage of them all to, to take the belt off of Rusev. Right. And I think that's what led to the open, the open challenge and all that. And it really was kind of like a renaissance for the U.S. belt. I think sooner rather than later, Mahal will get another shot at that belt, and I think he's going to take it off of Rude. I think they just wanted to give Rude a title and make him look a little more established. Maybe, sure. maybe that's what they're doing, or right. maybe I'm wrong and they're just I'm missing the boat on this one, or they're missing the boat. But I see Mahal with that U.S. title sooner rather than later, and then maybe setting up for a Cena versus Mahal match, which was another rumor for uh, Mania 34. Okay, I still think that Ziggler. <laughs> deserves his shot back at the title. I mean, yeah. Come, what do you think about that? Back. About him leaving it, leaving it high and dry. Do you think he still wants it? Unless they have bigger plans for him at the Rumble. Well, why don't we talk about bigger plans? Let's do it. Royal Rumble coming up Sunday. It's always, I think it's my favorite one of the year. I like that, and I like Survivor Series. Mania is always big, of course, but I like to have that little uniqueness, you know. Sure. And Royal Rumble, I think, has got to be my favorite. I've been yep. trying to watch every single Rumble match, 88 through 2017. <laughs> Before Sunday, I've gotten to the 2011 one now. You're almost but there. I just saw Del Rio win the 40-man Royal Rumble, which was not the greatest. But uh, I'm pretty close. i got about six more to go. Almost so there. I think I can do it. But in terms of this Rumble, there's a lot of hype. Of course, it's the first Royal Rumble where you have a women's Royal Rumble, and it's going to be – no uh, no shortcuts for the women. They're not going to go over the, the middle rope. It's top rope. you got to go over yep. the top rope. It's going to be 30 women, which I think is pretty cool. And I'm guessing that's going to be what's going to start the show because you don't want to have two rumbles too close together. So start the show with something exactly. hot like that Yep. and then end the show with the, with the men's rumble. That's sure. my guess. In terms of who's going to be in this match, you've had about a dozen women – current roster women saying they're going to be in it. And, uh, I mean, it's the, the usual that you expect. You got some guys, some ladies like Sasha Banks. You have favorites like her and Becky Lynch. You have Asuka, Nia Jax. Personally, I could see uh, someone like a Nia Jax winning it 
and then challenging Alexa Bliss. I could see that storyline they've been trying to get to for so long. It could finally play off at right. Mania. Or you have you could go with the Asuka ticket and have her be undefeated going into Mania and challenging either Alexa Bliss or crossing over and challenging Charlotte Flair, you know? Right. But, of course, there's room for surprise returns and maybe people that even haven't, haven't even wrestled yet. So, you know, you know, Stephanie McMahon has announced she's going to be on commentary. So it's all about this big uh, women's revolution and it's going to be a big moment. But another reason I think Stephanie could be at ringside is because of what happened at WrestleMania 31 when someone named Ronda Rousey I remember. gave her a little bit of a hard time. Remember that? I was there. And lo and behold, Ronda Rousey has officially signed with WWE, we've been told. So she's been training in the Performance Center. What are the odds she shows up at the Royal Rumble? I think it would our Royal Rumble and she uh, she wins it. And then Stephanie is right at ringside and they go face to face. Right. I just, I, yeah, I think that would be cool. I mean, other than Nia Jax winning, um, Asuka maybe being kind of like a, you know, a, a wild card pick there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I think the top two would be Asuka and, and Nia Jax as my sure. two favorites. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, that would be interesting to see Ronda Rousey come out. Um, it would be a surprise for many, that's for sure. And um, if you see someone like a Sasha Banks or a Becky Lynch, that's not going to be a huge surprise either. I mean, they're fan favorites. They've, they're exactly. both accomplished. Right. Um, someone like a Bailey, I'd be a little more surprised with. But I think pretty much of those women, it's got to be one of them. I don't see someone like a Dana Brooke or Alicia Fox getting it. No. I don't see Mickey James or Natalia winning it. So no. I think it's got to be one of those five women. I don't sure. see Bailey. I say I say it's going to be either. Now this is of course assuming Charlotte Flair and Alexa Bliss are not in it. I have no reason to believe they would be since they're the champions. Right. But assuming they're not in the match, it's going to be, in my opinion, it's either going to be Becky Lynch, uh, Sasha Banks, Oscar, Nia Jax, or Ronda Rousey. Right. I don't think they're going to put uh, Shayna Baszler in there just yet. She's going after Ember Moon for the NXT title on Saturday. Uh, but I think it's going to be one of those five. Five ladies. It would, be, it, would be, it would be interesting to see, I mean, how the crowd reacts to Ronda Rousey because, you know, there hasn't been that much, I mean, ever since what, maybe Ken Shamrock was the last, you know, MMA fighter to, to come back, to come into WWE. Right. You know, and of course, what, we're, we're looking at Lesnar as an original WWE guy there. Oh, that's, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but, but what's the crowd going to be like for, it was great for her at WrestleMania. I mean, they mm-hmm. they seemed pretty, you know, excited for her to be there. Mm-hmm. But she hasn't had too much success in MMA since then. Right. So, That's they, the only downside to me is that she yeah. had those two knockout losses and she lost a lot of her luster. But right. But it, like you said, it is it's it, huge to me. I think it's a huge a huge coup for WWE. A big mainstream name like that, someone who's been absolutely. dominant in the combat sporting world and. To just go in there and against the likes of people like Charlotte and Oscar and Nia Jax, I think it's a big, big, def, big move for uh, WWE. Absolutely. If it was me, I would pull the trigger and let Ronda Rousey win it. People might not like that, but that's what I would do. It would definitely be the most interesting, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Or at least have, or at least have her come out and and cause some havoc, or you know maybe Nia Jax wins and then Rousey comes out and. And does something, or you know, something to that extent. But having her, well, win- if they're going to bring her out, I say she's got to be at least one of the thirty. I mean, you got thirty spots. Sure. 
but if she if they don't want her to win, at least have her like eliminate like twelve people or something. Right. Have her like throw everybody on Raw or SmackDown off the out of the ring, and then have her go face to face with like a Nia Jax or Sasha Banks or Asuka. Right. I mean that'd be pretty cool. Now, of course, you could see someone like a Beth Phoenix or a Trish Stratus or Lita come back too. We don't know that either. Mm-hmm. Definitely come back. So I don't think winning like when come back like. They could be not like a full time return, but they could make an appearance in the Rumble if right. they're physically able. Sure. I mean, they've they've been keeping Beth Phoenix on the commentary table for Nick's match challenge, so she's kind of close to the action. Seeing some of these performers, <clears throat> she's called Oscar uh, in that match. She's called Sasha Banks, <clears throat> so she's familiar with her move sets. So maybe they're kind of getting her back into things right. a little bit. Um, and, of course, Lita's been around on the uh, pre-show panels for the past few years, off and on. And then uh, someone like Trish Stratus, she looked great when she came out on Raw 25. So even someone like a Tori Wilson, I know she's had some back issues in the past, but she could make a comeback for one night or Kelly Kelly. Or... Sure. So you never know. It's going to be interesting. Excited, it, excited. I actually am really looking forward to that. And, um, of course, we got the men's match, the uh, 31st Men's Royal Rumble. Any uh, any predictions for that one, Rob? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm really nervous. The fact that because I mean, I'm a big Roman Reigns guy, at least as a performer. Mm-hmm. I think he gets you know kind of the uh, kind of a bad rap just the way he's written as a character. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he shows up every single night and always puts on a great match. My problem with him is is the way they've written him as a character. It's not with his performance at all. I think he's great. But I also don't want to see him win another Rumble. And I think the fact that he lost the title on Raw just is hinting at it too much, that mm-hmm. they're just clearing it up for him. The only thing I can think of is that he doesn't win it at, you know, doesn't win the Rumble. That's the surprise, but then goes on in February at the Elimination Chamber, wins right. that. Right, right. You know, so they do, they, they do have just to play with. But, yeah, just because you, you don't win the Rumble doesn't mean you're not going to headline Mania. Exactly. Because we've seen that so many times in the past. Exactly. You have a Raw and a SmackDown, and that's part of the reason why. So one guy goes for the – wins the Rumble and goes on, and the other guy wins a, like a Fatal 4-Way or Elimination Chamber match in February and gets their way. Exactly. So, so yeah, I wouldn't have Reigns win this one. I think that would be terrible, especially because it's going to be in Philadelphia. And the last time <laughs> Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble was in Philadelphia. They even had the Rock – out with the guy to celebrate, and they still boot him out of the building. Yep. So I think that'd be a huge mistake, and I don't think they're going to make that mistake. I think they're going to have him make a strong showing. If he, I mean, I'm assuming he's going to be in there because they could have Miz and Reigns have a rematch at the Rumble. But even if they do, I still see Reigns being in there, and uh, I see him making a strong showing. But I don't think he's going to win it. I think WWE is smarter than that. Who do you got winning? Um. It's a good question. I mean, you guys, you got guys like Finn Balor, which his he's in limbo. He's been tied with uh, the club now to kind of get him through these months while while creative tries to make plans for the guy. Um, I don't know if I would see them pulling the trigger on him, but it would be a, a good option. I don't see anybody returning from injury just yet. Like Jeff Hardy, I don't think he's ready to come back. And Big Cass, he's not really ready, and he's not main event worthy, anyways. Right. Um, I don't. I don't see CM Punk coming back as much as I would like to see that. 
Um, I think he's pretty much done, at least for the foreseeable future. He might make a comeback down the road. But what about somebody like a Seth Rollins? Like, what if um, what if Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan defend and lose lose those belts at the Rumble, and then he enters and wins? That's a possibility. Sure. I mean, uh, I think the way. plan for him was to face Dean Ambrose. I think they were going to have Ambrose turn on him and set up a big feud at Mania, and that kind of backfired when Ambrose went down with the injury. But I really hope they don't put John to win it. I think that'd be a big mistake as well. That's my pick. Not that I want him to win, but that mm-hmm. that's who I'm going with if I had to put money on it. And you think he's going for a 17th title at Mania? Yeah, just the way they've been Against writing it. And just the things that they've been saying when he comes out. and Who do you see him fighting? AJ is... Styles or somebody else? Uh, I mean, if I had to put money on it, I'm going with Cena just because I think this is the last kind of the last chance they have at him breaking the record in a, in a believable way, mm-hmm. you know, that he's still, I mean, I wouldn't say he's as active as he's ever been, but he's been on a lot of shows and, um, he's still the face of WWE. Sure. And I think, I think get it out of the way now. And I hate to say it that way, but if they get it out of the way now, let him win another one. It, it, it right. breaks the record and hopefully relinquishes the title pretty soon after that. The only reason I'm kind of, kind of going a little back on that pick is the way they wrote him on, on the, you know, on raw last week, having mm-hmm. him, you know, kind of get, uh, showed up by, by Elias. Right. Uh, makes it, he's not, I think, he's yeah. not going in with that much momentum. I think those two are going to have a little bit of a, of an, of an issue in the uh, rumble match. In the rumble. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. That'll be interesting. And I'm sure they'll have Cena eliminate Elias probably, but yeah. you never know. Um, you know what I might think, could happen what if you have Dolph Ziggler come back and win the rumble that's always a I'm a huge Dolph Ziggler fan and yeah um I think we've talked about this before the only reason I don't see that happening is because of you know the creative team's obsession as of late with just having monsters go after the title but yeah like you could win it and then go after the uh you know the WWE champion I mean it almost looks like Smackdown is for the smaller guys, <laughs> given given the medium size guys a chance, and then Raws for all the monsters. Exactly. You got Joe and Strowman and Reigns. Yep. And then on SmackDown, you can be like a AJ Styles or a Shinsuke Nakamura. Yes. So he's another pe- another guy people are talking about Nakamura, Ziggler. Um, I think they have decent chances, but it's really really a shot in the dark. And I and I give WWE credit for that. It's you know how many years you go in and you, you kind of knew. I mean, even going back to I know a lot of people probably don't remember, but the '90s Rumbles when Hogan was winning them. Right. I mean, he was the favorite going into it, so it was kind of like, you think the writing's bad now? And oh yeah. That was it. it <laughs> I mean, everyone knew Hogan was going to win those Rumbles, and it's you know, funny. Then, I was yeah, I was one of the bigger Hulkamaniacs, and then. I would always be rooting for him, but now that I watch it back, I'm like, <laughs> are you serious? They have Hogan win it exactly. two years in a row. It's like so predictable. Right. So that's one good thing, I guess, this year is that there are. it's not that clear of who's going to win. You know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that could win it that we would be happy about. You yeah. know, I hope it doesn't happen like last year of having some random winner. I mean, that's the thing. Randy Orton. Huh? Yeah, you don't want it to be a – you don't want it to be um, – you want it to be a surprise – you just don't want it to be a surprise that doesn't go anywhere. 
Like no nobody wanted to see Randy Orton win the Rumble last year. That had to be one of the worst uh, main event matches, Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. Yeah, and you, you know you don't want it to be some wild card, and you're like, all right, that's not going anywhere. Like I'd be I'd be super yeah. happy if it's Elias because Elias seems like he's he's kind of coming up. You know what I mean? That'd be great. I just don't think he has a shot. No, he doesn't have a shot. But give it like let it happen to somebody that. I mean, the majority of the fans would either be excited about or mad about because of how great he's been. I mean, that's another thing that made the Rumble so so good back in the day is, like, even if someone wins that was a heel, make it a heel that's going somewhere. Right. You know, give it to yeah. a guy that's going somewhere as opposed to just some shot in the dark, you know, hope that this could lead somewhere. So we'll see. Someone like a Samoa Joe, if he wasn't hurt. Right, he would be the guy I would want to see. Exactly, even, even a Braun Strowman. Of course, they they won't put him in there because he's in the title match. Right, but someone like a Braun Strowman or a Samoa Joe that deserves that main event spot. Exactly, that would be nice. Right. But I'll tell you who it won't be. It won't be Enzo Amore. <laughs> Good thing. Yeah, unfortunate timing on that. We don't want to make light of the situation, but yep. yeah, pretty bad. Um, on the day of WWE's 25th anniversary special. The news breaks that Enzo Amore gets indefinitely suspended on that day for uh, accusations against him for sexual assault, stemming back from October. Of course, we don't know if these are true uh, accusations or not, but we're reporting them as such, just alleged accusations. And then, of course, WWE the next day promptly releases Enzo. Now, people are wondering, is that because of the accusations but as it turns out, it looks like it's because he didn't tell them that he was under investigation. He knew he was under police investigation and didn't make that make WWE aware of that. Sure. And it was said that this is kind of like a last straw for him because of all his issues he's had in the past year with the tour bus and all the stuff we don't fully know about. But right. I think this is like the last straw for WWE, and they, they kind of cut their losses with the guy, which is kind of unfortunate for – someone like a Cedric Alexander who was going to face him at the Rumble for the Cruiserweight title. Right. And really bad timing when you got have guys like Neville who had pretty much a big chunk of a year as Cruiserweight champion, reigning supreme, and then Enzo took it off of him, and then he's been out of the picture. They've been trying to get him back in. and So you, you really have a struggling 205 Live, and now two straight dominant champions are out of the picture. Right. And they're really scrambling – to get some leadership there so it's really a bad bad situation there and and it's not the only situation he had jay uso like a, about 10 days ago get a, some are saying it's a dwi some are saying a dui but we know he was pulled over for being intoxicated and was arrested for that in texas while driving um not a good not a good look for wwe and of course they're the current smackdown tag team champions and yep you noticed on smackdown this past week Jey Uso went one-on-one with Chad Gable, and Gable pretty much took it to him yep. and made him look kind of bad. And I'm wondering if that was some sort of punishment for, <laughs> yeah. for what he did. Definitely looked like that. Yeah, so I'm wondering if they're going to be losing the belts in that two-out-of-three-falls matchup. Right. So, point. yeah, it's just bad. And then, of course, Rich Swan last month, he was indefinitely suspended from the Cruiserweights right. for – for uh, allegedly assaulting his, I believe it was his girlfriend. Yeah. But, yeah, just not some bad bad publicity for WWE when they, when they wanted the least, you know? Sure. So 
they went to go for some good news. Vince McMahon had a big presser today. Big press conference. I think you saw that, right? Sure did. XFL 2020. It's back, buddy. Inside is 2020. <laughs> That's the slogan. It's back. <laughs> Bigger and better than ever. <laughs> never say never in WWE. Anything can happen. Yeah, even when things don't. Alpha Entertainment. So those of you that don't know, Vince McMahon sold about $100 million worth of WWE stock and promptly turned that money into his side endeavor. He formed uh, Alpha Entertainment, LLC, and there was a big announcement planned for today, and we pretty much knew what it was going to be. But we tuned in 3 o'clock, and sure enough, P. Diddy, is that what he's going by these days? Pump Daddy P. Diddy. He had this little rap montage introducing the XFL, and it's going to be gritty and hard and real and fast. But safe. And, but safe. But safe, of course. Yep. Athletes safety first, and they're going to check with the experts to make sure. Yeah. So basically, uh, Vince is saying they're going to have two years to research this and make sure that Everything is ready for the launch. They, they, he said that he launched into things too soon the last time in 2001 when things failed in just one season with the XFL. And okay. they're learning from those mistakes. And there's going to be no crossover whatsoever with WWE talent. That includes superstars or broadcasters. Yep. So whole new broadcast team, whole new football uh, talent. And we know Johnny Manziel is not going to be a part of it because – Nobody with who's been arrested or had any kind of criminal activity in the past is going to be eligible to play. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. Definitely interesting. I think I think the timing is going to help him this time around a little more because I mean, as most people probably saw the uh, XFL documentary, that's one of the reasons why it failed. Mm-hmm. One of the many reasons why it failed is because there was no real time to get it sorted out and planned right. out. He just kind of went straight in. So I guess two years is going to give him some more time. But look, he didn't really say anything in the press conference this time that made me feel, and maybe it's you know my pessimistic side coming out, but made me feel any sort of that this is going to be any different than what we saw in the past. Other than right. the fact that he's at least trying to get talented players, but mm-hmm. that didn't really sound like he, I mean, where are you going to get those players? Yeah, he really gave no details, and when uh, different media outlets were pressing him for that information, he didn't want to release anything, or he just didn't have anything to release. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, being, it's... being pretty vague and just kind of like a hype video publicity stunt, and uh, sure, two years is a long time to get things sorted out, but is it really enough time to get something like this going? I don't know. I mean, the one thing that I, I will give him credit for, or the XFL idea right now in 2018 you know, and this isn't going to launch for another two years, is that social media is a lot different now than it was back in 2001. I mean, right. Twitter and, you know, Facebook and the different platforms that this um, <clears throat> that this brand could attract or, or, or be shown on. And, you know, people love mm-hmm. football has grown so much since 2001. So to have more football after, you know, after the NFL ends, the timing sounds good. The, yep. You know, it's it's going to be shown on all different platforms. Everything. And, of course, they have their WWE network to, to use it if they need to. Exactly. But interestingly um, enough that you mentioned the, the different platforms, um, we know that WWE is going into negotiations fairly soon with NBC Universal, who they've been partners with for years. And 
Also, Fox has expressed a lot of interest in WWE, not only to air their content, but potentially to buy them out. So it's pretty interesting to see if they can use this XFL as another bargaining chip in the deal. Sure. Maybe up the ante a little bit. That might be on uh, McMahon's mind. Who knows? Right. So it's going to be a pretty interesting two years. Um, people say he's certainly older, but they don't know if he's wiser. Since yeah. 2001, <laughs> but some I, are saying I, I online mean... that he might have lost his marbles. But, you know, he's one of the greatest promoters of all time. He, he wouldn't just invest all this money if he had nothing up his sleeve. I, last time, of course, it was a big failure, but you never know. Right, he could turn it around. It sounds like he's starting small. I mean, I don't think Vince has started with anything with a small-minded mentality. But having eight right. teams, having forty guys on each team, it sounds like it's a small idea. And I guess his idea is it can only get bigger. You know, let's just start simple. Mm-hmm. You know, let's focus on the quality of the person. I get all those things. It's just nothing about this press conference made me confident that this will turn into anything better than what the first XFL was. But because I'll you, be honest, when I, when, I, when I heard that Vince was coming out with a football product in 2001, I was ecstatic. Mm-hmm. You know, but the product didn't live up to the hype, and I just feel like with two years of hype now, you know, and with no real different ideas than the ideas he had the first time, I don't know how this could be any more successful. Well, well it was we... brought up. It was brought up in the conference by someone who asked a question on the phone in, asking if the uh, recent decline in ratings with the NFL has anything to do with it. Right. Or... Yeah. It. He said it. It wasn't because of that. He said it wasn't because of the thirty for thirty that might have generated interest. Um, he thinks he's. He said he's been thinking about this idea for a few years now, and sure, it's it's his baby pretty much, and he he really is passionate about it. But it was interesting that he didn't want to invest WWE's money, and then he did a side venture. I think. Maybe uh, the board, even though he's the chairman of the board, maybe the board urged him to sell some of his shares and do it his, his own way and not jeopardize WWE's future for it. Yeah. So I can respect that. Absolutely. And, I mean, he's, he, won, he knows he failed the first time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there are a lot of things, like as the documentary said, that were, you know, were innovative. And the NFL has taken a lot of those ideas, whether it be the camera angles, yeah. you know, things like that. So. Uh, his head's in the right place when it comes to the idea of it. And, you know, more football is good football for most people. They don't really care. I mean, think, look, look at look at the big three. I don't know if you're familiar with the Ice Cube basketball product. Which, okay. on paper, does, I mean, it sounds kind of silly, but I guess it worked for, you know, and, and people liked it. So if if the quality is – if the quality of the players is – anything close to what the NFL gives you and these guys are really good football players, then I see it working. I just, I think that's going to be the, the make the make or break is how good are these guys? Yeah. That was the big, the big downside of it last time. They didn't have the talent. They didn't have the ability and the play was sloppy. And that's what turned people away. I don't know how they're going to convince these top athletes not to go to the NFL and go to, (laughs) go to the XFL instead. I mean, can they really yeah. compete money-wise? Can they really offer the same amount of salary to these players? Can they really assure them they'll be safer? Right. Can they assure them more notoriety, more freedom to be themselves with their he-hate-me's on their jerseys? I mean, what is it that's going to make a blue chipper coming out of college football, coming out of Oklahoma, coming out of Penn State, coming out of Alabama, why would they sign with XFL 
Yeah. And not the NFL. Yeah. You have two years, Vince McMahon, to, to show us why. Yeah. Like you almost have to say, well, I mean, why are these players not going to the NFL? Are they not going because they're not good enough? So they're going to go to the XFL? Right. Or are they literally good enough to go to the NFL, but are choosing the XFL instead? So, I mean, like, yeah, like you said, who are you getting? Are you getting guys that were that are in the CFL now that want to go a step above? And Yeah, like Tommy Maddox or Rod yeah. Smart. Like, who, who is it? Right, because there were a handful of decent players in the, uh, in the XFL the first time. You need more than just a handful, and that's why it failed the first time. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got two years. We'll see what he can do. Yes, sir. He is Vince McMahon. I'm not going to say he has no chance in hell. <laughs> a little better chance this time, I'd say, than the first time. Absolutely. He's got 19 years of uh, learning to add to yep. it. So exactly. 2020, we'll find out. Yes, sir. We're going to see you next time. It's been a great time talking with you, Rob, and had some great Likewise. discussion and can't wait to see what happens at the Royal Rumble. And we'll certainly be back next week with our views on what happened and what's going on for WrestleMania season going forward as that's a launching pad for Mania season. But until next time, you've been listening to the sharpshooters shooting from the lip. Check you out next week. Have a good one.